0: What is up? DGAFers. Today we are talking about a topic that is going to be controversial and we know that. We are talking about sugar addiction and whether or not it's a real thing. So two schools of thought on this. You are either hell yeah I believe in sugar addiction, I'm addicted to sweets or you don't believe in sugar addiction. And for Lauren and I if you would have asked us a couple years ago We fell into the, we believe sugar addiction is real, and we could have backed it up with research. However, we have completely shifted our mentality around this, and the reason for that is because we have opened our eyes to the other side of the research, and we have seen articles, read articles, done some digging, and in this episode, we share that research with you so that we can hopefully open your eyes to whether or not you believe sugar addiction is real.
1: Yes. So if you have ever had issues or are having some issues being around sweets, maybe it's just like if ice cream's present, if a certain candy bar is present, if M&Ms are present, if brownies are present, if anything that is has sugar or pop, soda, anything like that, juice, and you're like, I can't freaking control myself around this stuff. Like, When I eat it and I pop it into my mouth, I can't stop. It's just a nonstop thing. And you might be thinking it's got to be because of all of this sugar. Mm -hmm. And we used to think that as well, like she said. But you're going to love this episode because it's not a sugar addiction. There is something else happening and you can fix it. And then you don't have to be eating ravenously chocolate all the time. You can enjoy it when you want it and then not be a psycho about
0: it. Yeah. So in this episode, we talk about the research that says sugar addiction is real. And then we share some research as to why that is not the case. And it kind of goes against that original argument there. We also share our own experiences and we give you some helpful tips what you can do if you feel like you are addicted to sugar.
1: Yeah, so let us know your thoughts on this topic. And was it eye opening? Do you still believe sugar addiction is real? Are you kind of like, holy crap, I can actually fix this. I'm not addicted to this. Let us know what your thoughts are. We are open to whatever end. Like we said, we're not making this up. This is from research. This is from case studies. This is from actual Mm
0: -hmm. scientific studies. So do what you want with that. I will say Don't share your opinion until you listen to this full podcast. Please
1: (laughs) don't just like listen to this part and read our caption below and be like, if you're looking at this on Instagram and start going ape shit when you didn't even read or listen or do your own research. Yeah.
0: Okay. Listen. (laughs) Listen to the full episode and then let's have an educated discussion.
1: We love you. All right. (laughs) Let's do this. Today we are talking about, I would say a very controversial topic. We're talking about is food addiction real? And I wanna preface here, as we're going through this podcast episode, Jada and I have really done our research and we have like a whole Google doc in front of us right now with actual case studies as to why food addiction is not real. And I wanna say, Some people are not going to be ready to hear this. So if you find yourself being triggered and angry during this, and you're not wanting to listen to it, I mean, we get it. It's, it's totally fine. Especially if maybe you've grown up with doctors telling you, you have food addiction or your family members telling you the reason why you can't control your food is because you have a food addiction. Um, We understand that. We also understand addiction is real in other cases but we want to just point out that food addiction is not, and we are not making this up. This is actual studies that we're bringing to your attention.
0: Yes, and we felt like it was very important to bring these studies up and talk about them and just make you aware that the studies exist. You are more than welcome to do your own research on this. And honestly, we we highly encourage you to, once you listen to this, if you're interested in learning more about this, go research it. Um, we're going to give you some studies to look up if you want to. and the reason i say that is because i from from my experience when i was very sucked into diet culture i was never aware that these studies existed i feel like people only share the like the the articles that support food addiction or the the studies that you know sugar lights up the same brain centers as cocaine like and no we have heard that before And I was not even aware these studies existed until I started digging and looking for them and, and started really looking into intuitive eating. So let's dive in. So the first thing we want to talk about is what Jenna
1: was talking about, where sugar is sending the same response as if you were to do cocaine.
0: Yeah, And that's where they're saying like it, it, when you're looking at images of, of brain research, they're saying it lights up those same like addictive centers in your brain. And if you Google that, if you search that there are a lot of studies that do show that. And I think that's where diet culture has, has kind of taken it and run with it to say sugar is addicting. If you eat ice cream tonight, you're going to want more and more and more and more ice cream. You're going to keep craving sugar. And, and I think that's gotten in our heads to the point where we're like, okay, well, I can't have that sugar then, because I don't want to be addicted to it. If I have any candy or cookies or sweets, then I'm just going to crave more. So I'm going to just cut it out completely. Mm Well,
1: and, and, I mean that's like a valid I guess logical thing. Like if somebody were to tell you that you'd be like, "Oh that makes that makes sense." Like I could totally get addicted to sugar because it's, you know, it's creating all this feel-goodness in my body just like if I did cocaine or some type of drug. I mean, I've never done those, but that's what typically they they're doing is giving you that feel-good. But we want to point this out to you. This is what we found through doing some research is that actually When you restrict food, okay, so like Jenna said, oh, you know, I can't have this sugar. So, you know what, I'm just never gonna eat it again or I'm gonna only eat it 80% of the time or 20% of the time or 10% of the time or whatever your rule is that you're putting around it or only at Halloween, whatever. When you restrict that, what happens is your body actually creates more dopamine. Okay, this is the feel good stuff that (laughs) happens when it gets released. Okay. And,
0: yeah, and it's located in the, in the part of your brain that is like your, your happy center. It's called the reward center of your brain. That's where your dopamine is, is located. Mm-hmm. So when you do this food
1: restriction, food becomes more of a reward. So when you do allow yourself to eat it, or even if you allow yourself to look at it, to look at images, to watch cooking shows, to smell it, to think about it, even thinking about food, it becomes more of a reward. So what that does is it, what you think it's creating is like an addiction is because you can't even control yourself anymore. Like you have to get your fix. You have to get this food. And the reason you're feeling that way is because you're not allowing yourself to have it on a regular basis. Now a drug like cocaine or heroin, it's, that's not the same thing. You're not just like, I'm going to have cocaine around all day. So I don't want it all the time. Like, no, (laughs) like that's an addiction to where like, no, we, we can't be having these things around, but it's different when it comes to food.
0: Yep. Yep. And if you want to look this up, there was actually a brain imaging study done in 2013. So you would put this into Google. It's kind of a mouthful, but it's the caloric deprivation increases responsivity of attention and reward brain regions to intake anticipated intake and images of palatable food. So it's all based on neuro image. So that's that study that shows when you restrict food, Your body creates more dopamine and that is going to light up your reward centers when you do have the food. So it just puts so much more of a, like, like, oh, I need this food factor when you have it.
1: Yeah. So think about, you know, your history for a second and your family or the people that you spend the most time around. Right. And let's say their relationship with food. Let's say they've always been dieting their whole life. Okay. Because They either have negative body image, their doctors told them that they need to lose weight, um, you know, whatever the reason is. And they're constantly restricting food and then binging food, restricting food, binging food around you. That's gonna become a learned behavior of yours. Like you're gonna be conditioned, to think that this is normal, and this is probably something that you're going to take on as well. So even if you're like, well, I have never really like went on like a specific diet, but if you've learned to restrict foods for whatever reason, um, and then you're now binging on foods, it could be a learned behavior as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's and so what my point is is that it's not food addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're not addicted to that food. It could be just a learned condition from from family members, or it could be you going on your own journey to lose weight, restrict for whatever reason.
0: Yep. So, all right. So another, another thing um, that we've heard in the media is it comes from Yale. So it's the Yale food addiction questionnaire. And I feel like I always remember seeing that too. And when people would talk about like sugar being addictive or food being addictive, and it makes sense that people put all of their faith into this study it does because it comes from Yale and I think that's something very important to talk about because it's it's like a highly accredited university so people just like are kind of conditioned to believe it because it comes from Yale we're not we're not going to question it when it comes from somewhere like that um the issue though so this was created in 2009 and you can google the YFAS if you want to read more about this um they, they, it's basically like a set of questions that help you figure out if you have food addiction. Mm -hmm. But the issue with this is that when they did this research on this study, they didn't take into consideration any aspect of dieting history. And so the research now that's going against this, if it's basically showing that all of those same exact consequences that, that come from the, 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 Food addiction questionnaire could all be those same consequences from dieting and restricting food. Like, there's no direct correlation between food addiction and and these questions. Yes. So basically, they did not dig
1: deep until like, are you restricting food? Are you on a diet? Are you doing Weight Watchers right now? Have you grown up with a family member who has been dieting forever and you've been put on a diet? Has your doctor put you on a diet recently? Like, none of those
0: questions none of them were questions. No. And makes this invalid. Right. And even like, like thinking back to childhood, I mean, there's so many things that go into this, like, or were you a member of the clean plate club when you were like, not, not allowed to leave the table until your plate was clean. Like that's going to condition you to overeat and clean your plate and, and get out of touch with your fullness cues. Are you, you know, were was it? told that like, you can't have dessert until you eat all of your vegetables. And mm-hmm. there's so many different things. And, and I think too, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm actually reading up on baby led weaning because We're starting my daughter on solid soon. So this fits into that. And there's some research in there that was talking about how, you know, as adults, we, if we're having dessert after dinner, like we are like, oh, okay, I'm going to save room for dessert. But when it comes to our kids, they want to intuitively do that too. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to eat this cookie later. But instead we're like, well, you have to finish your whole plate. You have to eat all your vegetables. You have to take seven more bites of this. And then you can have the cookie when then they're not really hungry for the cookie. So it's, it's just very, very interesting. Very interesting. So there's actually evidence against this
1: study. So the Yale questionnaire, um, not just like, oh, they didn't ask about dieting history. So like mm-hmm. Princeton, another very highly accredited university did a study on rats. Okay. Um, and they originally called this, well, I think it might still be called this fasting creates sugar addicted rats. And we're going to talk about what they should have called this after we talk about the actual study, but this actually proves that restriction causes sugar, like not addiction, but like that you just want it all the time and you go ape shit on it. So, Jenna, walk us through um
0: this study that they did. Okay, so basically what they did, they deprived rats of food for 12 hours. That's the important thing for you to remember about this. Okay, so they deprived the rats of food for 12 hours and then they gave them full access to sugar and rat food for the next 12 hours. So they also had a group of rats that they did not starve for 12 hours so they had full access to the same sugar and the rat food for the whole time what came out of this study was the rats who were fasted so that didn't get any food access to any food for 12 hours over ate the sugar when they were introduced the sugar and the rat food but the interesting thing is the rats without the fasting period so the rats that just could eat normally didn't binge on the sugar and so what we want to point out about this study, and this is where things get really kind of fuzzy when it comes to is sugar addiction real? They called the study, like Lauren said, fasting creates sugar addicted rats. What they should have called the study is food restriction causes sugar binge, because Mm -hmm. there's no evidence in that study that these rats were addicted to sugar. It shows that they were restricting their food. And then the rats binged on the sugar, but. Well, in- then
1: the rats that they fasted, they also didn't fast them. Like they le- gave them access after they went nuts on this sugar. Okay. They're like, okay, now we're going to like, let you eat. We're going to get you back to normal. And then they didn't do that. They, because they weren't restricting, they did not binge. So you can't call it a sugar addiction. Because if you call it a sugar addiction, that means you've got to get that fix all the time. And it's like almost impossible to get off of, like you have to have serious interventions to get off of the addiction. And, And any type of sugar that you eat causes that addiction to spike. So an addiction means like if they were to eat a bite of that sugar, they would just go ham every single time. But that's disproven right here because the rats that were not fasted did not binge on it so they had the sugar they ate the sugar but they didn't feel like they needed to eat eight million things of the sugar right so that's why we need to call it food restriction causes a sugar binge, not a sugar addiction
0: right right and and that is where my friends intuitive eating becomes so important because when you're eating intuitively you're healing your relationship with dieting you're just listening to your body, You are eating when you're hungry, you're stopping when you're full. And I know that we're, we're making that sound so simple right now, as we're talking about it, it's a full process that you have to work through. And that's why Lauren and I are actually in the process of developing a full program to work, walk you through this step-by-step, because it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to do on your own too. Um, but part of one of the, the steps to eating intuitively is making peace with food. And Lauren and I have both worked through this process where we have made lists of all the foods that we've restricted and we've make peace with them. Meaning we give ourselves unconditional permission to eat these foods. And one of my foods was Oreos. That was the first thing. I used to, to binge eat Oreos out the ass. I would eat them all, like that was my thing. When I would come home from work and I was stressed, I would just plow through Oreos. And at the time, I was buying into, well, I'm just addicted. I'm addicted to Oreos. That's the issue. So I had to avoid them completely. Whereas now, now my mindset has completely shifted because now that I've given myself permission to eat the Oreos, I don't crave them I at all. Like it is the most bizarre thing because coming from someone who truly believed in sugar addiction for a while, like now I can eat one or two. Sometimes I'll eat four, but I... I would not at this point, sit down and plow through an entire package of Oreos. I don't want them. They don't, they don't even taste that good after a couple because I'm so self-aware of like enjoying the Oreos. Yeah. And I just remember taking, um, a quote unquote
1: nutrition course in the past, um, where they literally tried to scare you to death about eating sugar. I remember in this course, uh, that Jen and I both took, they had a literal giant, like freaking thing, like bucket. It was huge. It looked like a trash can full of sugar saying, this is the amount of sugar that people are eating. Um, and that it's no wonder it's so hard for people to, um, not like binge eat and eat all these cakes and all these things. So what we're going to do is instead of allowing you to eat any of this stuff, we're going to do healthy swaps Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be eating any of these processed foods with this processed sugar. We're going to be done with that. And here, let's just eat all these healthy swaps. And I'm not saying healthy swaps are bad. Like if you truly like certain things made a certain way because it tastes better. It feels better in your body.
0: Um, you have an allergy, you're you're alert. Yeah.
1: Intuitive eating. Some, one thing I want to address that people don't understand is that what the foods, once you finally get to a certain stage in intuitive eating. So once you're out of that hyper-awareness stage, you're into the stage where you've made a lot of peace with your foods and, and you're starting to really pay attention to how foods feel Mm -hmm. in your body. Intuitive eating is you're paying attention to that. And you're choosing foods that make you feel the best, right? Mentally, physically, like you're not just willy nilly choosing foods. Like you're logically like what foods make me feel the best. And some people need to eat certain things. Like maybe dairy makes you feel like death. So you're going to choose a different option or maybe, you know, certain things like, I don't know, cheese. Well, I said, dairy, give me another option. Gluten. Gluten. Okay. So maybe you find gluten is like killing you. Like, you're like, I feel horrible when I eat this. So I'm going to choose foods that don't have this because it makes me feel better. Where healthy swaps get a bad rap is when people are doing healthy swaps because it's going to help them lose weight. Mm -hmm. It's going to make them look better. It's going to, I'm going to avoid all processed foods because that's killing me and it's unhealthy and I'm going to gain weight. If that's your mindset, then we've got to heal some things.
0: That's diet culture. It's bullshit coming in. Yeah. So just to point that out. Yep. Absolutely. So if you're still listening and you're like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I just don't really believe this. It sounds too good to be true. Like I still believe in sugar addiction. I want to bring up one more study that is really going to drive this point home. And I encourage you to look this one up. So This goes directly against the argument that food addiction exists. And the study is called Mindfulness-Based Eating Awareness Training for Treating Binge Eating Disorder, the Conceptual Foundation. So basically the study was they were doing some things to figure out how to help binge eaters stop binging. That was the point of the study. Okay. And what they found time and time and time again, is that when compulsive eaters, eat their per- forbidden foods. So, Oreos, ice cream, things that you typically cut out, whatever it is. When you eat those foods as part of the treatment for binge eating, the binge eating episodes decrease. Mm-hmm. So, when you let yourselves eat those things, you stop binging them. It's going to take time. I mean, it, you know, who knows how long it's going to take. You might be good in a week, you might be good in a month, it could be a year, who knows. But they're going to start decreasing how often you're binging those foods. And that right there goes directly against sugar addiction, because like we said, you know, if you're going to start eating Oreos or Pop-Tarts, then if those things have a lot of sugar, you would want more and more and more and more of them if it's really an addictive thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Definitely. And this is where diet culture and even doctors and things like that will tell you in order to help you to stop binging, we need to go on a diet. We need to restrict those foods. We need to not buy them. We need to not tempt ourselves with them in the house. And we actually just did um, an Instagram reel about this, about chocolate, because I feel like chocolate is a huge binge eating food for people. And uh the point of our reel was how awesome would it be that you could actually buy chocolate, things that you enjoy, keep them in your house, and not shovel them down your throat when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. Like, and and for the longest time, I didn't think that was possible. Like when we were coaching people, when we were still sucked in diet culture and we were trying to help them um oh, lose weight or do whatever we, we were trying to do, make them healthier, we would tell them this. Like, I, I honestly didn't have an answer. Like, if somebody came to us and was like, I cannot stop shoveling M&Ms down my throat. Like, I'm obsessed with them. I hide them. I eat them at night when no one's looking. And it's just something that, like, it haunts me. I don't know how to control this. And I know our first reaction was like, well, just don't buy them. Right, right. Don't put them in your house and tempt yourself with them. That is wrong. And I'm here to admit, like, when you do, when you know better, you do better. And that is not correct Mm -hmm. at all. Like, you can't just hide them. It's it's almost like the same thing as pushing your feelings down Mm -hmm. or, like, suppressing that. Like, you're feeling a certain type of way. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe something's really bothering you, right? Like maybe your husband's doing something and it's driving you fucking crazy, but you don't say anything until you keep pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. What ends up happening is you freaking either, you just explode or you keep holding it in and it makes you literally ill.
0: Yeah. Yep. Well, and it goes back to the first study. Think about it. If you're wanting chocolate, wanting those M&Ms and you restrict, 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 your brain is increasing dopamine, and the reward of those M and M's is sounding better and better and better. That's biology. That's happening in your body without you even knowing it. And then you, not understanding the biology, just think that it, you're something's wrong with you and that you have no willpower. And it goes and goes and goes. And same thing like with what Lauren was saying with exploding in terms of your your emotions, you kind of do the same thing. You go off the rails and you eat two packs of M M's or ten. 30 packs of M&Ms because you, you biologically need them at that point.
1: Yeah. You're whole, you're pushing that away so hard that like your body, your body is like saying, I need this, stop pushing this away. And so when it finally gets it, it goes ham. Right. And that's just how we are in terms of even our personality and our emotions. Like mm-hmm. we have to have that freedom of being able to express ourselves we have to have that freedom to be able to say like this is bothering me or you yeah. know when that stuff comes out it, you're like a weight's lifted and you're not holding on to all of this stress and anxiety and and it's the same thing with food it's yep. the same thing with food and this has changed everything for me um reading on these studies and and learning about that this isn't real because it kind of validates for me that there's nothing wrong with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. that feels really, really good to yep. know that I'm not the problem.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And that This can heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're struggling with a certain food, like we said before, we would have told you, don't buy it. Don't keep it in your house. And now we have completely shifted our mentality and our beliefs around this. And the only way for you to stop binging foods that you're overeating is to give yourself access to them. Yeah.
1: So I feel like that's, I mean, that's what we have for you today on this. I would be really curious if you feel like you want to reach out and let us know your thoughts about this episode. Uh, we would be definitely open to hearing your thoughts. Um, you can DM us on Instagram at social or you can email us um, at git.an and.social at gmail.com. We would love to have an open conversation with you.
0: Yep, absolutely. And if, if this is new to you and you're this is kind of like your first eye-opening experience into intuitive eating, we are going to link a free download we have for you in the show notes of this episode. And it's basically just kind of like your first steps to intuitive eating. We're going to give you a little assessment in there, a quick quiz to see, are you eating intuitively or are you kind of holding on to some diet culture-y things? And then what I love about that is we will start emailing you every single week and we're going to be talking about food addiction a little bit more. We're going to talk about the principles of intuitive eating, how to make peace with these foods. And we're really going to get you to a point where you understand intuitive eating enough to decide if it's a route you want to take.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: All right, until next time.